Halloween is celebrated by millions and millions of people right here in the United States of America. It's a time of fun for lots and lots of folks. But today, I'm asking the question, is there a dark side to Halloween? There doesn't seem to be any dark side when you see children going from door to door, having fun, often with their parents. It seems just to be a good time. It's certainly, my friend, great for business here in the United States of America. Did you know that we spend, or at least some of us spend, billions of dollars on costumes? Costumes that are supposed to scare people? And so little children go from door to door, trick and treating, done up in costumes, and apparently they're having a good time. Even Christian institutions are into Halloween. I visited not very long ago, quite recently in fact, a large Christian church right here in Glendale, California. And Halloween there was in full swing. They had bats and all those sorts of things. Even churches that would call themselves Christian churches are into Halloween. In fact, I know of one church that has a big Halloween party and the pastor comes dressed as Elvis Presley. What's wrong with Halloween? Is there anything wrong with this? Isn't this all good fun? Yes, it's big business. And if it's big business, it must be good for America. All, all of this seems such good fun. But I ask the question, here it is, could there be a sinister side to Halloween? That's what I'm going to talk about today. Could there be a sinister side to Halloween. I want you to open your Bibles today, my beloved friends, and I want you to come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20 because today I have some very important information to share with you about the world of the occult and particularly about Halloween. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20. We're going to read this text and we're going to come back to it later. But I just want these thoughts from this text to be in your mind as I'm talking to you today. Please turn, if you don't mind, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20. Paul says, No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. Now the Apostle Paul talks not so much about the heathen, but he talks about the pagans. And in his day and before his day, and in our day today, I might add, pagans offer sacrifices. And the Bible says they offer these sacrifices to demons. And Paul says, I don't want you to be participants with demons. And today, 
We're going to discover that Halloween has a long, colorful history of association with demons. Let me tell you now the strange origin of Halloween. I almost feel slightly in a remote sort of way, just teeny weeny, very little guilt, but I almost feel slightly involved in Halloween because some of my ancestors invented it. And then some of my ancestors, bless their little hearts, brought it here to America. Did you know that the Irish brought Halloween here to America? Bless them. I wish to make it very, very plain that I am not just Irish. I have some British blood in me also, which I hope is covering up for what their sin, what they did with Halloween. But the Irish brought Halloween here. And did you know that the Irish, or at least many of those people, are the descendants of the Celts? And so you've got the Celts, and the Celts passed it on to the Irish, and the Irish brought it here to America. And among the Celts, thousands of years ago, there was a group of people who were super religious. They were worshippers of the sun, moon, and the stars. They were worshippers of nature, and they gave us as a gift Halloween, but by a different name. The name they gave to this festival was the Festival of Samhain which commenced at sunset on October 31. And uh, these people believe that at this time of the year, end of October, the very beginning of November, that the spirits of the dead walked the earth. And so they believe that at this time of Samhain, the spirits of the dead were walking the earth, and some of those spirits were very, very angry with the living. And so they had certain ceremonies to appease the injured spirits of the dead. They would, for instance, go trick and treating and they would leave food on the, on the steps of homes. They lit great bonfires to scare away the demons. And more than this, they had sacrifices. They would have great pits with a ravenous fire burning in the pit and they would take people at the time of Halloween and they would throw them into the pits alive and in the morning they would just find the bones. Hence the fires were called bonfires or bonfires. It came from my ancestors. Yes, you see, my friend, the ceremony of Samhain was based on the idea that the dead were alive, conscious, and could be contacted. And to confuse the spirits, the druids would dress as spirits in special clothes. 
And so they put on costumes because they thought if they put on costumes, the spirits were so dumb that they might think that the living were really the dead. And so at this time that we call Halloween today, people got dressed up in costumes and they went trick and treating and they had big fires and they also had turnips. And on the turnips, they carved the faces of the spirits. And uh, the Celts passed this down to the Irish and my ancestors brought it here to America. Of course, we've got a lot in common with the Celts and the Druids and the Irish because most people believe today that the dead are alive, you know. I've asked the question over here on the blackboard, are the dead alive? I would suggest to you today, and I say this on some authority, if I were to go out from this church right now, and carry out a survey, not in this church of course, but down the road and ask people, where are the dead? Most folks would say they're in heaven and they're conscious. And if I were to talk to the American people, as has been done, I would find that millions of Americans believe that they've had a, an experience, an actual experience with a dead person. I have met people who believe that they've spoken to the dead and the dead have spoken to them. And so this question is not a throwaway question. It is pertinent, it is poignant, it is important because it sums up the very essence of Halloween. The question is, are the dead alive as believed by the ancient Babylonians, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Egyptians, and by the Druids, and by my beloved friends in the Roman Catholic Church and most Protestant churches, is the question to be answered in the affirmative, are the dead alive? Because this is the heart of the mystery of Halloween. I would like you to take your Bibles now and I want you to come to the words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel according to St. John. Would you please do this? Would you come over here with me to John chapter 11 and verses 11 to 14, dear hearts and gentle people. John chapter 11 and verse 11 down to 14. This talks about the death of Lazarus, who was a very close friend of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this text in your Bible. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Therefore, let us go to the words of God. John chapter 11, verse 11 and onwards. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen us. What does it say? asleep but I'm going there to wake him up his disciples replied Lord if he sleeps he will get better Jesus had been speaking of his death but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep so then he told them plainly Lazarus is dead and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him so Jesus said and I want you to think of these words in John chapter 11 Jesus said, Lazarus is sleeping and Lazarus is dead. It comes as a shock 
to millions of people to realize that the idea of the immortality of the soul that teaches that the dead are not dead but the dead are alive and conscious is not the teaching of the word of God it was never held by the biblical prophets it is a teaching of the Romans it is a teaching of the Babylonians it is a teaching of the Greeks it is a teaching of the Druids but Jesus said the state of man in death was one of unconsciousness and so when the Druids were praying to the spirits of the dead they were not praying to the spirits of the dead they were praying to the spirits of some other people that we're going to discover as we talk about this today. I want you to come to another text in the Bible, would you please? We could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm not, I don't want you to turn to this now, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, the Bible says that the dead are sleeping. And the Bible says that the dead are going to be resurrected when Jesus Christ comes a second time. And this is also taught in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 13 and verses 15 through to 17 but the text I want you to come to is Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5 back to the Old Testament Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5 and I want you to turn to that text right now dear friend Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and uh, verse 5 and somebody watching on television or maybe somebody in the church will say to me Pastor Carter why do you quote from the Old Testament it is very plain this is the only Bible that Jesus ever had this is the only Bible that the apostles ever had and when the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine it is not talking about the New Testament it is talking about the Old Testament and so the Old Testament is much in a, uh, as a, is as much an authority as far as doctrine is concerned as is the New Testament and when people say I don't believe the Old Testament and I don't read the Old Testament they are throwing away the only Bible that Jesus ever had you see so notice this text here in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5 the Bible says for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing they have no further reward and even the memory of them is forgotten these are the words of God. These are inspired words. These are not just the words of Solomon. These are the words of God that God placed into the mind of Solomon and he wrote these words down in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, the living know that they're going to die. We know that we're going to die. But the Bible says, the dead know nothing. And Jesus says that the dead are sleeping. The Bible teaches that the dead sleep unconscious in the grave and they stay there, my friend, in that state of unconsciousness until the resurrection day. And on the resurrection day, Jesus Christ comes back in power and great glory and he says to the dead, awake, awake and come forth from their tombs. Come forth from your tombs. Just as Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus walked out of his tomb. Therefore, when we consider the idea of Halloween and the spirits of the dead, and most people say, yes, the dead are alive, the Bible says, no, the dead are asleep in their tombs and they're waiting the last judgment day. So, my friend, listen, the Druids were wrong. The Druids were dead wrong. The Druids were praying, they thought, to the dead. 
But the Bible says the dead are sleeping in their graves. Listen carefully. I'm going to spell this out plainly. The idea that the dead are alive passed from the ancient peoples through the Greeks, through the Romans, into the great Roman Catholic Church. I respect the great Catholic Church. I love Roman Catholics. The very foundational teaching of the Roman Catholic Church that was passed to the Protestants is that the saints are alive in heaven, that our loved ones are conscious. But the Bible teaches that Peter is asleep, that the Virgin Mary is not in heaven. The Bible teaches that the saints, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 says, the saints are sleeping. But the Roman Catholic Church believes an idea that came from the ancient world. And thus, our beloved friends in the Roman Catholic Church have a great celebration, the Feast of All Souls. They're doing it now. The Feast of All Saints or the Feast of All Hallows. You see, my friend, I was brought up in the bosom of the Church of England that is very much like the Catholic Church. And my mother used to celebrate the Feast of All Hallows. They're doing it right now. And from the Feast of All Hallows comes Halloween. What was the Feast of All Hallows? It was the Feast of, it is the Feast of All Souls when the church believes in the communion of all the saints, both living and dead. And so, the great Roman Catholic Church is based upon the doctrine of the immortality of the soul. I beg to differ with my friends in the Roman Church because I believe I have scripture on my side. Because Jesus said, the dead are sleeping. I once heard a man say these words, and his words were correct. He stood before a vast audience in Australia, my homeland, and he said, I have a confession to make tonight. Every great religion in the world believes in the immortality of the soul. The ancient Egyptians believed in the immortality of the soul. That's why they built the pyramids. The Persians believed it. The Babylonians believed it, I remember his saying. The Greeks believed it. Socrates believed it when he spoke about the soul imprisoned in the shell and the release of the soul at death. Said the preacher, all the great religions in the world believe in the immortality of the soul. The Roman Catholic Church, the Baptists, the Methodists, and he listed them all in respect. He said, the Hindus, every great religion in the world 
the Muslims believe in the immortality of the soul with one notable exception. And then he held up the Bible. Except the religion of the Bible. The Bible says, the living know that they shall die, but the dead know nothing. And he said, even though I'm in a minority, I plan to take my stand with Jesus. You see, Halloween is based on the first lie. I want to show you today the first lie that is recorded at least as far in the history of the human race. It's not the first lie because Satan had told a few lies before this book came along. You see, and before the human race came along. You see, listen very carefully to this. Satan is a liar. Satan is the father of lies. And that is why the children of God hate lies. Anything, my friend, that comes from Satan comes with his trademark. You know what it is? Lies. And one of the greatest lies that has been perpetrated upon the human race is the doctrine that says that the dead are not dead, but that the dead are alive. Let me show you the first lie recorded in the Bible. Would you kindly come with me to the book of Genesis, dear hearts? What a splendid audience we have here today. What a marvelous, magnificent group of people. We also have a great television audience. I appreciate hearing from you. I love you. I appreciate the letters you send to me. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and onwards. And let me just say this to my television audience. If you have questions on this or any other subject, you can write to me, you know, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. And when you're down here in Southern California, the land of continual sunshine with a little bit of smog thrown in, you can come and join me at my church that meets on Saturday mornings at 333 East Colorado, Glendale, California. But now the text. Genesis chapter 3 and verses 1 down to 5. Dear hearts, listen to the words of the first lie. Now, the serpent was more crafty. Now, let's stop. Who do you think this old serpent is? Who do you think this old serpent is? Do you think this is a literal serpent? No, my friend, this is talking about his demonic majesty. His name is Satan. And he is the father of lies. You know, you can tell a person has come to God when he turns away from lying. When a person knows God, he just can't stand lies. Now listen to this old liar talking. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die. 
the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen to me carefully. There, my friend, you have the first lie. There you've got it. The great creator God said, if you eat from this tree, if you take this fruit that seems so delicious and so attractive and so luscious, if you take that mango or whatever it was, God said, if you eat it, this is a test. And if you do this, you're going to die. And the serpent said, you won't. You won't. You're going to be like God. You know why you won't die? Because inside that frail shell you've got an immortal soul and the soul cannot die and the woman believed the devil's lie and she put forth her beautiful hand and she took of the fruit and as she ate of the fruit she felt exhilarated she felt a surge of knowledge and power. She felt a tremendous energy and she felt like God for a while because the devil had told her a half a lie and a half a lie is a full lie as far as God is concerned because she did know good and evil and she knew soon death. The first lie was told at the dawn of time. It has been the basis of every false religious system. Come with me to the blackboard. The Christian church celebrates all hallows. The feast of all saints, of all souls, it is based on the idea that the dead are alive and we can communicate with them. And from this came Halloween, which is based upon the devil's lie. Listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. This is pretty strong. I want to say to the parents here who are going to have their children playing with trick and treat and or letting them get all of these costumes. I want to say this to you because I'm your pastor and I love you and I want you to know the truth. Listen carefully. Halloween is rooted firmly in the occult, the world of the demons. Do you want your children to be mixed up in demonism, I ask you? Look at this. All Hallows, Halloween, the occult and demons. And you tell me about churches that have Halloween parties and Christian hospitals that have Halloween. All I can say is, my friend, that they're doing those things in ignorance. The Druids were sacrificing to demons. Remember the text we read a moment ago? Can you now see what I'm talking about, what this text is saying? The pagans sacrifice to demons. And Paul says, I don't want you to have any part with demons. I ask you, and I say this to you because I love you, do you want to have any part in a ceremony that is rooted in demonism? History tells me that Halloween is rooted firmly in the occult, the world of demons. Are there demons? 
Of course, a lot of people say, oh, no, no, I don't believe in demons. I believe in demons. I sure do. You know why I believe in demons? Jesus believed in demons. The Bible believes in demons. Don't you know the occasion is recorded in Matthew 4 where Jesus had been fasting? Do you want to look at the text? Come over here where Jesus meets the prince of demons. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4 verses 1 down to 11. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 down to 11, my beloved friends, where Jesus meets the prince of demons, the big liar. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him my friend there is a Satan he's a real person I'm a real person you're a real person I'm a personality you're a personality there is a prince of darkness and the Bible says his name is Satan and Jesus met him there is a world of demons Halloween is rooted in this world of demons it comes from him now I want you to notice where Jesus grappled with the demons I want you to come over here to Mark chapter 1 Mark chapter 1 and verse 21 to 28, please. Mark chapter 1 and verse 21 to 28, if you don't mind. The Bible says they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. My friend, if you're going to believe in Jesus and if you're going to believe in the Bible, you must believe in Satan and you must believe in, in evil angels, these demons. Because the Bible says, right at the very beginning of time, there was a great controversy. There was a great war in heaven between Christ and Satan. And the Bible says that one-third of the holy angels rebelled against God. Yes, one-third of the holy angels became deceived by the big liar. They were deceived by the big liar. God's church had a schism back there. Hear this? God's church had a schism. And the schism was caused by a big liar. And the big liar told a big story. And he was Mr. Smooth. He was Mr. Charming. He got around among the people and around the angels, and one-third of those angels were a little naive. They did not believe in the Word of God, and they went with Mr. Smooth. 
And the Bible says, Mr. Smooth and his demons have been causing the church of God from that day to this. Still happening, isn't it, friend? And he was cast down to the earth. I want you to come over here to Revelation chapter 12. You hear what I'm talking about, don't you? Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. As we talk about the big liar. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. Please notice these words. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. The Bible says, and there was war in heaven. Think about that, friend. There was war in heaven. People say, I want to go to a church where there's never going to be any trouble. Well, my friend, if you go to a church where there's no trouble ever, you're not in the right church. The Bible says there was war in heaven. Somebody said, I want to find a perfect church. Another person said to him, don't join it because you don't want to spoil it, do you? But the Bible says there was war in heaven. It started, my friend, this great controversy over the law of God. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. My friend, the Bible says, and I can show this to you in other passages, that one third of the angels went with Lucifer and they were cast down to this earth. And the Bible says that they are teaching a big, big, big lie. They're teaching the lie that the dead are not dead. They're teaching the lie that the dead can be spoken to, that the dead can come back. They're teaching the lie of the occult, and they're teaching the lie of Halloween. Today, we are seeing in the world a mighty revival of sinister occult forces. I want to say we're also seeing a mighty revival of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, the Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. I want you to know that there are more for us than those that be against us. I want you to know that we have God on our side and we have the Holy Spirit on our side. And if we have God on our side, we've got nothing to be afraid of. You hear this? But the Bible tells us that we are in the midst of a great controversy and there's a mighty revival of sinister occult forces and one of those manifestations is Halloween. Do you want your children? I'm asking you, looking you in the eye, bring the camera close. I want to ask you this. Do you want your children to be tied up with a practice that has got its roots in the powers of darkness? I ask you. I hope that you will say Say today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Bible says, don't you know that the pagans sacrifice to demons? I don't want you to be a participant in demonism. And so we're seeing a mighty revival of sinister occult forces. The new age is based purely upon spiritism. The new age is sweeping Hollywood. It is sweeping the world. There are tens of millions, even hundreds of millions of people who are tied up in the new age. It is based upon the devil's lie. We are seeing today an incredible awakening of Satanism as manifested in witches and other priests of the dark world. I'm going to tell you a story that hit me like a ton of bricks when I first heard it. Beverly and I and our team ran a campaign over there in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, what a wonderful time we had in Texas. Where they tell you, you all come and all that sort of stuff, you know? 
I love the Texans. I love Texas. I love their hospitality. I like their boots and their belts and their big hats. They gave me some. I got them at home, but I'm too scared to wear them here in case I get stoned. <laughs> Besides, I look a bit funny in them. <laughs> we ran these meetings in the Tarrant County Civic Center. Big auditorium. Had great meetings. And there was a young man I baptized, and he came to me, and he said, Pastor Carter, before you baptize me, you ought to know this story. Because I spoke on the occult. He said, I got taught, caught up in the occult. He said, what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. He said, I swear it before God. He said, when I was a student going to a, a school in New York City, the headmaster used to talk to us about the world of shadows and the world of power. He said, if you want to get power in your life, boys and girls, I can show you the source of power. And there's power there, my friend. There is power in the occult. It is the power of demons, but don't underestimate it. There's power there. But I want to tell you there's power in the blood. Far more power there, my friend. This is just this is just little bit of power, but the power is in the blood of Jesus. This young man told me this story. That the headmaster got a group of them. This went on over a period of years. And they got into sex parties. They had beautiful girls, and they had one purpose to get the girls pregnant so they could produce children that they would sacrifice to the demons at the time of Halloween. I said, I don't believe it. He said, well, you ought to believe it. He said, it's happening. And I've been told by other authorities it's happening. This is the story he told me. He said they got a, he got a girl pregnant, and they timed it so that the baby was born, of course, around Halloween time. The baby was just a few weeks old. He said he with the headmaster and other students went to a spot and they took that little baby and placed that baby on an altar and cut his throat and collected the blood from that baby and they drank it. You see, my friend, Halloween is the high black Sabbath of the occult. Did you know that? This is the high black Sabbath of the occult. Across America and around the world, there will be human sacrifices. In England alone, and England is basically a post-Christian civilization where people have forgotten about God, basically. They think they don't need God. They say there are one million English people out of a population of 66 million, one million people tied up with the occult, witches, priests, worshippers of the sun, moon, and stars, they'll be at Stonehenge today. There'll be animals that'll be sacrificed. And I believe there'll be human sacrifices. Didn't you hear a little while ago about the two human sacrifices that were carried out south of the border down in Mexico? The Bible says in the last days that the spirits of demons like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. 
out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. The Bible says they're the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. So he isn't found naked when I come. Get ready, the Bible says. But the Bible teaches that demonism takes the world over in the last days. Halloween is the great holy day of the black world. It is Satan's day. I want you to come to our opening text. Now it's going to make some sense. Come over now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, dear people, and verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 20. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. I want to say to the people who are watching this television program, this church service, you, my congregation, listen to these words. Don't dabble with the devil. Don't play with spiritism. Don't get on the devil's ground. Teach your children the truth. Let them know the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Beverly and I, back in Australia, ran a campaign in a city called Gosford. There's a little town not so far from Gosford. We ran four sessions a day. Two o'clock in Woi Woi, four o'clock in Gosford, six o'clock in Woi Woi, eight o'clock in Gosford, back and forth, preaching the word. And uh, there was a lady who came to my meetings in Woi Woi. I'll never forget her. She came to me and she said, Pastor Carter, I need to talk to you. This was after the meetings had gone for some months and I'd been preaching on these things. I'd preached on spiritism. You see, back in Australia, they don't celebrate Halloween. Virtually, it's unknown in Australia. They celebrate it here in this Christian country. But she came to me and she said, I need to talk to you. I said, tell me what it is. She said, I have been a believer. In fact, she said, I've been a member of your church. A member of my church, yes. She said, I have been a person who keeps God's commandments. I've been baptized. But she said, there came a time I decided that I didn't have time. I stopped reading my Bible. She said, I stopped going to church. And then she said, some people asked me to go along to some special meetings where we could get the power of the universe. She said, I went along to those meetings, and she said, ever since then, something has happened in my life. She said, I'm terrified. Would you come to my home? So I said to my elder of my church, John Hammond, you remember him, educational secretary over there now. I said, John, a lady who's having trouble with the demons wants us to go visit her. He said, we need to pray pretty hard about this before we go, that we go in the strength of the Lord. We don't want to go in our own strength. He said, I've worked in countries with my dad where the demons are so powerful. So we prayed earnestly. I went to her home that night with John, got there at 8 o'clock at night. When I walked in the door, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And John said, can you feel them? I said, yes, I can. The children were in another room and they were whimpering. I said, bring out the children. The children came out shaking. The woman was there shaking. 
I said, I feel a presence. She said, yes, they're here. I said, tell me your story. She said, I've been dabbling. I've been dabbling. What about you, friend? Are you dabbling? Are you teaching your children to dabble? Are you turning your eyes away from your children? Are you teaching them the word of God or are you dabbling? Playing with fire. If you sup with the devil, you're going to drink his broth, you know. And she said, when I get into bed at night, she said, I can't pray. I said, we're going to pray now. So we got down on our knees. As soon as I started to pray, she went unconscious. She couldn't hear me. I said, listen to my prayer. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I felt a weight upon me like a great, heavy, thick blanket that I couldn't cast off. And then I stopped the prayer and she came too. I said, did you hear me praying? Then I can't hear you. Pray again. John, pray. She couldn't hear me. The devil was sending her unconscious. She said, when I get into bed at night, she said, someone else gets into bed with me. It's not my husband. She said, look at my throat, the marks on her throat. She said, a man puts his hands around my throat and tries to choke the life out of me. And then when I can't breathe, he lets me go, but he says, I'll be back. And then she said, you see, see over the windows, we have the curtains, see the curtain rods. Those rods come out and act like spears and fly around the house. She said, my children, I said, your children. She said, I shouldn't have gone. I say to you, my friend, don't go. Don't play with the occult. I wish I could tell you today that that woman received deliverance. I can't tell you that. We did all we could, but we couldn't break through. Don't start. There are two great powers in this world, Christ and Satan. Whose side are you going to be on? We're engaged in a great battle today for the survival of our work in Russia, the survival of this church, the survival of our ministry. I want to be on God's side, don't you? The Bible t says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principality. No, no, no. Don't wrestle against those things, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. The great battle, my friend, is not between attorneys or men. It is a battle between right and wrong, truth and lying, Christ and Satan. This battle is repeated in every heart, every person here. I ask you, whose side are you on? I love American history. I've read a lot about the American Civil War. There were people during the time of the American Civil War who kept two flags. Did you know that? The American flag and the flag of rebellion. When the South came marching by, they put up the Southern flag. When the North came down, they put up the Northern flag. Both sides hated them. Treacherous, timid souls traitors to the cause. 
They couldn't make up their mind. There are people who try to sit on the fence. You can be only on one side, God's side or the side of darkness, my friend. Be on God's side. I love the story of the little old American granny, the little American babushka. When it it appeared as though Washington was going to be taken by General Lee, this little old American patriot started out to the front with her broomstick. They said, what are you doing, Granny? You're not going to win many battles with the broomstick. It's only a stick. She said, that's right, but at least I'll know what side I'm on. You may say, I don't have much to give to God, but my friend, give it to God so that he'll know what side you're on. We've got to choose sides. The Bible says, do not go the way of the heathen. You can read this right through the Bible. Deuteronomy 18, read the whole chapter, not now. But Deuteronomy 18 has a tremendous statement about spiritism. and says, don't do what the heathen do. My friend, this is what the heathen do. Deuteronomy 18 says, don't go the way of the heathen. I got a great story to tell you. Back in the city of Melbourne, that Americans call Melbourne, (laughs) back in the city of Melbourne, Beverly and I, with a magnificent team of 25 great pastors, ran two great crusades. I'm telling you, not ordinary crusades, great crusades. Melbourne is a city of three million people filled with beautiful colleges and universities and parks. Just a great, beautiful city. The United Nations carried out a survey recently of the two best cities in the world. Sorry to boast about this, but I'm going to tell you what they were. The most livable cities, the best cities to live, the best cities with standard of living, the best cities to bring up a family. Number one was Melbourne and number two was Sydney. Glory, hallelujah. But let me get back to the story. We ran this campaign. It's true. I'm sorry if I'm boasting. I'm just telling you the truth. Pardon me for telling you the truth. We were running these meetings back in the city of Melbourne. Had great crowds. Two sessions. Great auditorium. Right downtown Melbourne. Historic Melbourne with these conservative people coming. The rain falling gently outside and our hostesses and long dresses and long white gloves. It was a classy show. And one night I spoke on the occult. Advertised on television. I was on television there. We had a tremendous crowd of people. And I'll remember, I was looking behind the curtains because an evangelist is always looking out to see how many's coming. <laughs> I was looking out and I saw this big family come in, about seven, eight, nine, ten of them, all dressed in black. The women dressed in black dresses. I thought, boy, what's going on here? When I got up to preach, somebody came to me, one of the assistants, and said, that family out there, all dressed in black, They're the leaders of spiritism in the city of Melbourne. Melbourne's got a lot of spiritism. I had lots of spiritualists come to the meetings. Some of them said that they'd come because they had been sent by the spirits to get me to join their their side. I had one family that came week after week and said, the spirits have come, the ascended masters have come to offer you a position in the kingdom if you will switch sides. I said, I'm on the winning side. And so anyhow, this big family came in, and I preached that night, and I preached on these texts and many other texts. 
And my, I want to tell you folks something, this power in the word. This poor old preacher stood there, read the texts, preached his heart out, wondered whether he was getting through, and, the, and I had those people turning up the texts. This power in the word, folks. So I got them to open their Bibles, turn the texts, and they, I could see the struggle going on in their minds. A terrible struggle. This man was the high priest of this great movement in Melbourne. And then I thought, i got nothing to lose except a bit of pride. I'm going to have an altar call and see if I can get these people to make a stand for Jesus. So I made an appeal. And these folks got up and came down the front, came up and stood on the stage with me, about 10 spiritualists. They came back night after night. What a battle it was. But the day came when on the stage of the great Dallas Brooks in a great baptismal font, I baptized the leading family of the spiritualists in Melbourne. Glory be to God. Today they are born again believers and they cast their lot in with Christ. I want to say to you today, my friend, the time has come when you and I need to make a decision. Christ and his word or Satan and the powers of darkness, including Halloween. And I say to you today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen and amen. We're going to pray and then I'm going to make an appeal. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, the Spirit of God has come here today. You've blessed me today, Lord. You've helped me today. You've given me strength to preach this sermon. I thank you. Thank you for putting the mantle on me again today because I can feel the mantle on me today. I thank you that there's a God in Israel who cares for his people. And dear Father, today as a congregation, our eyes are open perhaps as never before to the inroads of the occult and spiritism among us. And today we want to make a decision, as for me, as for us and our houses, we will serve the Lord and we will protect our children and bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. As we're praying, every head bowed, every eye closed in the presence of God. As the Spirit of God comes and talks to your hearts, how many will raise a hand today to heaven and say, I will follow Christ, I will follow his word, and I will turn my back on the occult and all its manifestations. Would you raise your hand? This is a clear appeal to turn our backs on the occult, Halloween, the seance chamber. Please raise your hand and make your stand today for Christ and his truth. Lift it up, friend. Let the Lord know. Every hand ought to be raised because God is talking to you today and I'm praying for you. Please lower your hands. Is there someone here today who's got a real spiritual need and you want me to pray for you today in this closing moment? Would you raise your hand if you've got a need for prayer today? If you're standing in need of God's grace and God's power and God's forgiveness and his mercy and his love, raise your hand today. And I want to say a prayer for you today. Lift up your hand high. 
While God gives you an opportunity, God knows it may be the last one you may get. Dear Father, look at these hands as people cry out to you. In our brokenness, we thank you that you take broken people and you mend them. Mend every broken, hurting heart here today. Cover these people with the blood of Jesus. Put your spirit in our hearts as today, our Father, we take a stand on the Lord's side. Bless these precious people. Bless the little children here. May none of our little children tonight be out on the streets with Halloween. May none of our congregation be at Halloween parties. But may our people be walking with their God in the light of his word. So bless them, dear Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.